Hi, this is book three, episode 20 of Puritans Read, where we read great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Continuing today, The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, chapter four, showing the characteristics of a godly man, and the latter part of section 18. Use one. If it is the distinguishing mark of a godly man to be a lover of the saints, then how sad it is to see this grace of love in eclipse. This characteristic of godliness is almost blotted out among Christians. England was once a fair garden where the flower of love grew, but surely now this flower is either plucked or withered. Where is that amity and unity which there should be among Christians? I appeal to you. Would there be that censuring and despising, that reproaching and undermining one another, if there were love? Instead of bitter tears, there are bitter spirits. It is a sign that iniquity abounds when the love of many grows cold. There is that distance among some professing Christians as if they had not received the same spirit or as if they did not hope for the same heaven. In primitive times, there was so much love among the godly that it set the heathen wondering, and now there is so little that it may set Christians blushing. Use two, as we would be written down for saints in God's calendar, let us love the brotherhood, 1 Peter 2, 17. Those who shall one day live together should love together. What is it that makes a disciple but love? John thirteen thirty five. The devil has knowledge, but that which makes him a devil is that he lacks love. To persuade Christians to love, consider. Firstly, the saints have that in them which may make us love them. They are the intricate embroidery and workmanship of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.10 They have those rare lineaments of grace that none but a pencil from heaven could draw. Their eyes sparkle forth beauty. Their breasts are like clusters of grapes. Song of Solomon 7.7 This makes Christ himself delight in his spouse. The king is held in the galleries. Song of Solomon 7.5 the church is the daughter of a prince. Song of Solomon 7.1 She is waited on by angels. Hebrews 1.14 She has a palace of glory reserved for her. John 14.2 And may not all this draw forth our love. Secondly, consider how evil it is for saints not to love. A. It is unnatural. The saints are Christ's lambs. John 21, 15. For a dog to worry a lamb is usual, but for one lamb to worry another is unnatural. The saints are brethren. 1 Peter 3, 8. How barbarous it is for brethren not to love. B. Not to love is a foolish thing. Have not God's people enemies enough that they should fly in the faces of one another? 
The wicked confederate against the godly. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people. Psalm 83, 3. Though there may be a private grudge between such as are wicked, yet they will all agree and unite against the saints. If two greyhounds are snarling at a bone, and you put a hair between them, they will leave the bone and chase the hair. So if wicked men have private differences amongst themselves, and the godly are near them, they will leave snarling at one another and chase the godly. Now, when God's people have so many enemies abroad who watch for their halting and are glad when they can do them a mischief, shall the saints fall out and divide into parties amongst themselves. Thirdly, not to love is very unseasonable. God's people are in a common calamity. They suffer in one cause, and for them to disagree is altogether unseasonable. Why does the Lord bring his people together in affliction, except to bring them together in affection? Metals will unite in a furnace. If ever Christians unite, it should be in the furnace of affliction. Chrysostom compares affliction to a shepherd's dog, which makes all the sheep run together. God's rod has this loud voice in it. Love one another. How unworthy it is, when Christians are suffering together, to be then striving together. Fourthly, not to love is very sinful. A. For saints not to love is to live in contradiction to Scripture. The Apostle is continually beating upon this string of love, as if it made the sweetest music in religion. This commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. 1 John 4, 21. See also Romans 13, 8, Colossians 3, 14, 1 Peter 1, 22, 1 John 3, 11. Not to love is to walk contrary to the word. Can he who goes against the rules of medicine be a good physician? Can he who goes against the rules of religion be a good Christian? B. Lack of love among Christians greatly silences the spirit of prayer. Hot passions make cold prayers. Where animosities and contentions prevail, instead of praying for one another, Christians will be ready to pray against one another, like the disciples who prayed for fire from heaven on the Samaritans. Luke 9, 54. And will God, do you think, hear such prayers as come from a wrathful heart? Will he eat our leavened bread? Will he accept those duties which are soured with bitterness of spirit? Shall that prayer which is offered with a strange fire of our sinful passions ever go up as incense? C. These heart burnings hinder the progress of piety in our own souls. The flower of grace will not grow in a wrathful heart. The body may as soon thrive while it has the plague as the soul can that is infected with malice. While Christians are debating, grace is abating. 
As the spleen grows, health decays. As hatred increases, holiness declines. Fifthly, not to love is very fatal. The differences among God's people portend ruin. All mischiefs come in at this gap of division. Matthew 12, 25. Animosities among saints may make God leave his temple. The glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood upon the threshold. Ezekiel 10, 4. Does not God seem to stand upon the threshold of his house, as if he were taking wings to fly? And woe to us if God departs from us. Hosea 9, 12. If the master leaves the ship, it is nearly sinking indeed. If God leaves a land, it must, of necessity, sink in ruin. Question. How shall we attain this excellent grace of love? Answer 1. Beware of the devil's couriers. I mean such as run on his errand and make it their work to blow the coals of contention among Christians and render one party odious to another. Answer 2. Keep up friendly meetings. Christians should not be shy of one another as if they had the plague. Answer 3. Let us plead that promise. I will give them one heart and one way. Jeremiah 32, 39. Let us pray that there may be no contest among Christians, except as to who shall love most. Let us pray that God will divide Babylon and unite Zion. Use 3. Is it a mark of a godly man to love the saints? Then those who hate the saints must stand indicted as ungodly. The wicked have an implacable malice against God's people. And how can antipathies be reconciled? To hate saintship is a brand of the reprobate. Those who malign the godly are the curse of creation. If all the scalding drops from God's vial will make them miserable, they shall be so. Never did any who were the haters and persecutors of saints thrive at that trade. What became of Julian, Diocletian, Maximinus, Valerian, Cardinal Crescentius, and others? The bowels of some of them came out, others choked in their own blood, that they might be set up as standing monuments of God's vengeance. They that hate the righteous shall be desolate. Psalm 34, 21. Section 19. A godly man does not indulge himself in any sin. Though sin lives in him, yet he does not live in sin. Every man that has wine in him is not in wine. A godly man may step into sin through infirmity, but he does not keep on that road. See if there be any wicked way in me. Psalm 139, 24. Question. What is it to indulge sin? Answer 1. To give the breast to it and feed it. As a fond parent humors his child and lets him have what he wants. So to indulge sin is to humor sin. 
Answer two. To indulge sin is to commit it with delight. They had pleasure in unrighteousness. Second Thessalonians 2.12 In this sense, a godly man does not indulge sin. Though sin is in him, he is troubled at it and would gladly get rid of it. There is as much difference between sin in the wicked and the godly as between poison being in a serpent and in a man. Poison in a serpent is in its natural place and is delightful, but poison in a man's body is offensive and he uses antidotes to expel it. So sin in a wicked man is delightful, being in its natural place, but sin in a child of God is burdensome and he uses all means to expel it. The sin is trimmed off. The will is against it. A godly man enters his protest against sin. What I do, I allow not. Romans 7:15. A child of God, while he commits sin, hates the sin he commits. Romans 7. In particular, there are four sorts of sin which a godly man will not allow himself. Number one, secret sins. Some are more modest than to commit gross sin. That would be a stain on their reputation. But they will sit brooding upon sin in a corner. Saul secretly practiced mischief. 1 Samuel 23, 9. All will not sin on a balcony, but perhaps they will sin behind the curtain. Rachel did not carry her father's images like a saddlecloth to be exposed to public view, but she put them under her and sat on them. Genesis 31:34. Many carry their sins secretly, like a candle in a dark lantern. But a godly man dare not sin secretly. Firstly, he knows that God sees in secret. Psalm 44, 21. As God cannot be deceived by our subtlety, so he cannot be excluded by our secrecy. Secondly, a godly man knows that secret sins are in some sense worse than others. They reveal more guile and atheism. The curtain sinner makes himself believe that God does not see. Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? For they say the Lord seeth us not. Ezekiel 8, 12. Those who have bad eyes think the sun is dim. How it provokes God that men's atheism should give the lie to his omniscience. He that formed the eye Shall he not see? Psalm 94, 9. Thirdly, a godly man knows that secret sins shall not escape God's justice. A judge on the bench can punish no offense but what is proved by witnesses. He cannot punish the treason of the heart. But the sins of the heart are as visible to God as if they were written upon the forehead. As God will reward secret duties, so he will revenge secret sins. Number two, gainful sins. Gain is the golden bait 
with which Satan fishes for souls. The sweet smell of money. This was the last temptation he used with Christ. All these things will I give thee. Matthew 4, 9. But Christ saw the hook under the bait. Many who have escaped gross sins are still caught in a golden net. To gain the world, they will use indirect routes. A godly man dare not travel for riches along the devil's highway. Those are sad gains that make a man lose peace of conscience and heaven at last. He who gets an estate by injustice stuffs his pillow with thorns, and his head will lie very uneasy when he comes to die. This has been Book 3, Episode 20 of Puritan's Read. We read The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, Chapter 4, the latter part of Section 18, and the beginning of Section 19.